This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. Millions of Americans are looking for work. We'll talk to a top expert who explains why good people can't get jobs. The big story is still that there just are not enough jobs to go around. The smaller story, there are a lot of employers who say they're having difficulty finding people to hire, and that seems very peculiar. Then, we hear a lot about reducing our carbon footprint. Now, we'll share a few practical tips that anyone can apply. If every American was successful in reducing their own personal emissions 20%, it would be the equivalent of shutting down one-third of the coal plants that we have that power our country today. Those two interviews, and much more, are heading your way on this week's edition of InfoTrack. Stick around. Our show will get underway right after this. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. Millions of Americans are unemployed. While we often hear companies complain about a shortage of skilled workers, but is there really a skills gap? And what other factors are keeping people from finding jobs? Here to discuss this is Peter Capelli, professor of management at the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia and author of Why Good People Can't Get Jobs. Professor, welcome to InfoTrack. Thank you. It's interesting that aside from your professional interest in this topic, you also have a personal interest involving your son. And I'm wondering if, as we start out, you could share that story with our audience. My guess is that virtually everybody in the audience is one person removed from somebody who's in the same boat. My son graduated from college with a degree in classics, and I don't think he expected to walk into a great job. After that, he was interested in health care, so he went to a community college and got one of those health care certificates. His was in phlebotomy to see if he could, you know, and then start out working in a hospital or working in health care or something. And it turned out that there were no jobs. Increasingly, they're combining job categories, so they want somebody who can actually do two things. And if they're hiring, that's where they start to hire first. Let's get to the big question. Is there a shortage of skilled workers in this country? That is really a kind of a diagnosis of what employers are experiencing. They're not able to find the people they want the way they're going about it right now. And that begs a couple of questions. The first question is, what are they asking for? Is that reasonable? Is the problem that they're, for example, not paying enough to get the people they want? Is the problem that they're looking for candidates that are so perfect that they just don't exist anywhere? And then after that, there's the problem of how are they going about finding them? Employers actually control everything about the process. They control how jobs are defined. They control how the marketing is done, the recruiting to try to find applicants. They control the wages, what makes jobs attractive or not attractive, and they control this process of hiring them. So if you're not getting what you want, the place to start is to say, gee, what am I doing wrong here? So the big story is still that there just are not enough jobs to go around. The smaller story, which still matters, there are a lot of employers, in some surveys, 50% of U.S. employers, who say they're having difficulty finding people to hire, and that seems very peculiar. One of the arguments we hear is that the government isn't allowing companies to bring in enough foreign workers who have specific skills to fill the demand. What's your take on that? 
There's a kind of plug-and-play model that people have in the back of their mind for jobs. That is, jobs are like a bolt on a piece of equipment. There's just a particular bolt that you need for this particular piece of equipment, and you either find it or you don't. And that's not at all the way jobs work. It's a good reminder that during the IT boom of the 1990s, only 10% of IT professionals had any academic degree related to IT. So that whole industry was built with people who could never get IT jobs today. Jobs can be done with lots of different ways, with lots of different levels of skill. The average employee in the U.S. right now, in terms of academic skills, academic credentials, is far overqualified for the job that they've got. So, you know, we begin with saying, what do you really need in terms of a job uh, requirement? That's a little fuzzy. And the kind of people who could do that job vary a lot. So when we say there are not people to do the job, that's simply not true. There are lots of ways that you could get more applicants, better applicants, for example, if you're willing to pay more. About 10% of employers in one recent survey admit that the problem they're having finding workers is that they can't get them to accept the job at the wages that they're offering. That's obviously not anything like a skills problem. So is there a shortage of people who could do these jobs? Absolutely not. Is there a problem employers have getting what they would like? That certainly could be true. But is what they're asking reasonable? Is the problem that they're not paying enough? Is the problem that process they're used to hiring means that they're not finding people who could do the job? We're talking on InfoTrack with Peter Capelli, author of Why Good People Can't Get Jobs, The Skills Gap, and What Companies Can Do About It. How big a factor is computer software and automation when it comes to the job screening process? I think it's a pretty big factor, and it's an especially big factor in the frustration that people who are hunting for jobs are finding. In the late 90s, U.S. employers tried to make it easier to get lots of applicants because labor was in sort of short supply then, and they also wanted to make it cheaper. So they moved to computer-driven screening and tracking of applicants. And so virtually every employer of any size now has systems of applicant tracking. This is software that looks at applicants when they come in, either scans and processes resumes, or more likely now, the applications are all online. The problem with automation and software doing these things is software is not great at making judgments. Software is very good at identifying whether you have precisely what we are asking for. And all you can really assess in software is prior experiences and credentials. So the software basically ends up being a series of yes-no gates, you know, that say, do you have this experience? Do you have this credential? Yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. One of the things we know about that is that you typically have to make it through all the gates. You have to clear every question in order to end up as qualified. So somebody told me at their company they had 25,000 applicants for a reasonably standard engineering position, and no one made it through the software. So they ended up basically saying, oh, no one is qualified to do this job on 25,000. Wow. The reason is because the way the software is set up, it makes lots of errors. There are lots of people who have the experience, but it's not coded in quite the right way. Somebody who has some judgment, an HR recruiter, could look at these resumes and see, yep, I can see how they could do this job. But it's not written in exactly the right way to get through the software. It's a combination of different things. So they end up getting screened out. 
What advice, if any, would you have for people who are frustrated, looking for a job, not sure if they'll ever find one? Is there something they could do differently that might give them more success? You know, I think the most important thing is to begin with expectations. We have a tendency in the U.S. more so than I think any other country to blame ourselves if you can't find a job. Must be your fault. Must be something I'm doing wrong. At the moment, there's just nowhere near enough jobs to go around for the people who want them. There's nowhere near enough jobs for the people who are qualified to do them. And it's an interesting thing for an employer to ask themselves when they're looking for new people and they've got their criteria to just ask yourself: Look at the people who are doing this job here now. Would any of these people get hired if we were using this criteria? So I think for the job seeker, the next thing to do is to recognize again on expectations that you're quite unlikely to hear. From most of the people that you're applying for, because the way their software is set up, they're just not set up to let you know what happened. If you don't get hired, you often don't hear. If you get a rejection letter, they often don't tell you why. You know, I don't think this is a good thing for employers. I think it makes people feel bitter about that organization. But nevertheless, that's the way things work. And the final piece of advice, I think, and this is old advice. Is to see if you can get around that process altogether. That process is really designed to screen out people because there are so many applicants for any position that you got to start somewhere. So if you know somebody who knows somebody who can get you in front of a real person, that's obviously the best bet. It's also pretty hard to do. Professor, does it make any sense for someone who is seeking work to take a lesser job, something below their skill level? You know, I think this is something people forget, and that、uh, job search is a useful thing. You know, it's useful for employers to not take the first person who seems qualified to do the job. They might as well look around a bit. And similarly for employees, it's not a great idea if they just grab the first job that pays some money, because there's quite likely something better out there if they would look a bit. So it's、mm -hmm. not in the interest of society or the economy to have people just take the first job that pays anything and have them underplaced and underemployed. On the other hand, suppose you really do have to take a job just to make money. Does that end up penalizing you in the long run? And there's certainly some risk of that. Certainly, a risk that an employer asks you what your last job is. You tell them it's something lower. That's what they think you can do.、Mm -hmm. They don't think about the job that you did before. In some ways, though, that choice is not as bad as it used to be because so many employers now are simply not looking at anybody who doesn't have a job. This is the quirkiness of the modern. Job search in the U.S. They want somebody who is currently doing the same job right now at another competitor, and obviously that really constrains your ability to find people, and it also creates sort of a fake shortage, right? If I say I only want people who are currently doing exactly the same job right now, it's going to be hard to find people. If that's going on, then gee, you're already in trouble. You know, you're already damned if you are unemployed. So you might as well take another job. It's a tough situation. Peter Capelli, professor at the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia, and author of Why Good People Can't Get Jobs. Professor, thanks so much for joining us today on InfoTrack. My pleasure. Thank you. Next, want to save money, live healthier, and stop wasting energy? We'll have all the answers and more coming up. Stick around. There's more info track straight ahead.